Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the NCSA radio broadcast. NCSA is the Nebraska Council of School Administrators. It's your premier organization in the great state of Nebraska to help you increase your professional acumen and educational leadership. I am Sam Stecker, superintendent of East Butler Public Schools. And today I have a guest. It's a guy named John. John, how are you doing? I'm fine. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate Thank the opportunity to visit with you. Yeah, we really appreciate the opportunity as well. You were somebody that uh, was on our radar early when it came when we started to uh, broadcast this podcast. And so I guess I'll turn it over to you for a minute and let you introduce yourself. Absolutely. Well, um, I am the Special Education Director at ESU 10 out of Kearney. I've just completed my fifth year. And prior to that, I spent 33 years in Grand Island, uh, 24 of which uh, I was uh, an administrator in Grand Island, and the last 10 as the Director of Student Services with Grand Island Public and the uh, cooperative there, which was uh, entitled uh, uh, the Central Nebraska Support Service Program. So uh, all of my uh, career has been spent in Central Nebraska, so in all of uh, which we're related to uh, kids with disabilities, so. Well, Central Nebraska, speaking from experience, that's not a bad place to be. We've got some good things going on in Central Nebraska. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and John, I'll make you toot your own horn here just a little bit. It's my understanding you received a relatively prestigious award not all that long ago. Um, I did. It, it was an <laughs> honor. Um, I was awarded the uh, Special Education Administrator of the Year from uh, the Council of Special Education, uh, which is an affiliate of the Council of Exceptional Children. So it's a national recognition, and uh, I can't say uh, awards like this go to so many other people. I just happen to be the recipient of getting the plaque. Uh, there are a lot of other people involved in, in such an award, as, as you well know. Well, and it's you put together a pretty amazing body of work, and it's good to see one of our own get recognition at the national level for the good work that they do. And as always, you know, it's all of us have countless people behind us, beside us, lifting us up, pulling us forward. So uh, you, know, you also deserve some credit for surrounding yourself with such good people to do those things. Well, that you know, that's probably one of the skills that uh, a good administrator needs to have. Uh, on their list of um, uh, accomplishments. When you surround yourself with good people, they do all the work, you get all the credit. So, uh. Uh, John, it's kind of a tradition on this show that the first question we ask is we have people tell us about their favorite teacher they ever had. So, John, what well, teacher you've had sticks in your mind? You know, um, I have a unique background, and I really can't say that I uh, – uh, any one particular teacher stands out. I come from a military family, um, and so we moved a lot. And the uh, the teachers that stick out to me are those who were that were very very accepting of those uh, students who were in and out of their classrooms at any given time. And there are so many of them, and so countless number of them uh, that um, you know. Those are those are the those are the teachers that really really stand out for me. Those that were welcoming uh, into the classroom at any point, uh, making sure that your needs were met, um, and all of the other things associated with good teaching. So I, I really just don't have any particular one that sticks out. 
at least in my K-12 career, there have been a lot of mentors that have um, that, that stand out uh, during the course of my administrative career, but uh, I'm guessing you're not looking at that. You know what? I would love to hear that. If you have a mentor that you want to tell us about, that's none of us really quit having teachers. They kind of just change format. Absolutely. Uh, the person that sticks out uh, is the one that actually got me started in administration. His name was Jim Worth. He was the prior director uh, before uh, I took over his chair when he was elevated to an associate superintendent position. And, uh, you know, Jim was the ultimate teacher. Uh, originally, he was a school psychologist by training, and he uh, walked into administration. And he was always seeking those people that he felt uh, would aspire to be effective leaders. Um, and again, as we've talked before, you surround yourself with good people. Um, I don't know what Jim actually saw in me, um, but I started out in Grand Island. He started out in Grand Island. Um, and we just got to be uh, good friends. And, and as, as an administrator, he was always looking uh, to surround himself with those people that he felt that uh, could support the mission uh, of the Grand Island Public Schools at that particular time. And this was during the time in the, in the mid to late 70s in which um, Public Law 94-142, the first federal special education law was born. So I was on the ground floor and uh, uh, we were learning along the way and, and having a great teacher was certainly a, an advantage for me. So. That that is outstanding. Um, I uh, want to talk a little bit about the partnership between public schools and ESU and our ESUs. I, I was in a meeting oh, a few months back with uh, Larry Ann Polk from ESU 7, and I think she had a quote that was, sometimes our ESUs are the best kept secret when it comes to education in our state. And then it was funny, just last week I had, <laughs> excuse me, um, somebody from our community in my office having a conversation, asking some questions. And he said, what is, it, what is it exactly that ESUs do? And I was like, holy cow, you have no idea how much they do. And you know, when we were emailing back and forth, I, this is one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about is there's so many different things that are integral in that relationship between our ESUs and our schools when it comes to the service of our students. Um, I was wondering if you would speak to that uh, relationship a little bit and what do you think some of the best ways are that our leadership in our school systems and our leadership and our ESUs can collaborate? Absolutely and, and again uh, my previous uh, position with uh, the Central Nebraska Sports Services Program uh, we were an intermediate service provider so my entire career has been in that particular role in assisting other school districts to meet the needs of, of their districts. Um, and you're absolutely right. It seems like if you're not a part of the ESU system, uh, you tend to really not understand um, the value of an intermediate service agency. Um, I would hope that all, especially the smaller school districts that belong to a service unit, I can't imagine any of them thinking that they can, could not do business as they do without the support of an ESU. Um, to me, uh, being in the uh, service unit 10 area uh, for uh, 38 years, um, I've, I'm, I'm obviously familiar with, with the structure of an intermediate service agency. 
And I think the importance of the relationship between an ESU and a school district is your knowledge of that school district. You can't, uh, you can't assume that you know what they need. And it's important to keep those lines of communication open. It's important to establish that relationship with every individual school district, be visible, making sure that you ask the questions about how we can meet their needs and prioritize uh, how you utilize your resources within ESU to help serve their uh, students, their staff, their parents, and, and to accomplish their mission. And the only way that you do that is to spend time with people. You have to spend time with your staff, you have to spend time with administration, certainly to spend time with the superintendents to try to shape what you can do to structure yourself and position yourself to meet their needs. I think the other important thing that, that ESU can, I believe, does an outstanding job is uh, uh, breaking down the silos of departments. So special education is a part of what's going on in the IT department, which is which which also supports what's going on in the teaching and learning department. So we're all accomplishing uh, the same the same role and responsibilities to serve others. And we need to do that collaboratively. So the more that we know about districts, I believe that we can better serve them. And it is interesting, ESUs are in such a pronounced challenge. You talk about spending that time, you know, as a former elementary principal, as a former dean of students, uh, you always talk about being visible. You use that word visibility and spending that time with people. And holy cow, it's hard to get to all the classrooms you want to get to. And they're located within your building. And then you talk about the service that an ESU provides. And it's not just within your building. You have to drive miles and miles to make that happen. And when I was in Kearney, of course, we always had the benefit that ESU was basically down the street. Not sure it helped KPS. Uh, but now, you know, here at East Butler, uh, it's an hour drive for me to get up there for them to come down here and i will say in my experience that has been so nice they're not shy about getting down to see us the schedule appointments they make sure they put that time in to be visible it's good to hear that validation that makes sense it's absolutely just to give you an idea uh i think we've got about ten thousand square miles holy cow ethically at issue 10. i live in grand island and uh one of the first years that I was here, I decided to take a road trip and uh, visit the perimeter of uh, ESU 10. <laughs> it took me six hours. Wow. From Grand Island to make the uh, uh, the circumference of the perimeter of ESU 10. <laughs> but it was well worth it. I, uh, I uh, traveled roads that I had not been on. I lived in central Nebraska for over 40 years. So uh, it was a great, it was a great trip. Uh, one of the things, one of the advantage, I think, is again, we've talked about the support of staff. If uh, the staff are on the same page, they're the conduit of communication for us. Uh, we have a lot of itinerant staff members that are employed through ESU 10, and if they uh, have the same orientation, the same mission, the same purpose, uh, we have a lot of communication links with them. Technology has been huge. Uh, being able to DL and have those conversations with teachers, with administrators. Again, although there may not be physical presence as to the degree that we would like, we certainly have a presence mm -hmm. in other formats 
Uh, again, the bottom line is it, that you need to keep those lines of communication open and it needs to be frequent. Makes sense. So from your perspective, uh, and I know there's a million different answers to this, but we always have our challenges. What do you see as one of the biggest challenges that's facing education in Nebraska right now? And maybe more importantly, what is a good way to meet that challenge? Sure. What I, what I hear from the field and, and what we talk about all the time, uh, funding is huge. Uh, whenever you have, again, I can speak from the special education perspective, whenever you have entitlement programs, uh, it seems to get into the, into the arena of competing with other available dollars for local school districts. I hate to see us in that particular position. Uh, when you have programs in which you have to provide for kids, um, and that obviously is always a good thing, um, I have the fear, what do we take off the table in order to be able to provide those services for, for students with disabilities? So trying to balance that uh, and understanding that we've got responsibilities to the local taxpayers, but we also have uh, responsibilities to kids and when you put uh, the entitlement programs into the same mix as uh, all educational services that uh, all students are entitled to to me that 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 is a major major challenge uh, I just don't see the federal government ever um, I guess meeting the their their fiscal obligation to fund uh, special education to the 40% level that the original law intended. Uh, so therefore, it will be up to states and up to the local districts in, in order to be able to maintain that. So the domino effects of, of that particular aspect of funding concerns me a great deal. Uh, from, from a student perspective, uh, the, meeting the needs of kids with mental health issues is huge. I hear it everywhere. Uh, what can we do, uh, what services are available, and uh, again, it's, it's not my sole opinion, but education cannot handle this on their own. Uh, we have to bring to the table uh, a partnership of everyone else who has an investment in meeting the challenges of kids with behavioral and mental health challenges. Um, and, and again, for, for, for the benefit of, of not only the kids, but also the, the positive impact that it has on the climate of, of the buildings, classrooms that we all work in. Uh, thirdly, uh, you probably just asked me about one challenge. I'm gonna give you three. Oh, I'd love to hear all three. Yeah, uh, are, are, are obviously um, specialty shortages, whether it's uh, special education teachers, whether it's a uh, speech pathologist, uh, school psychologists, uh, trying to find the most highly capable, effective staff, again, makes the job that much easier. And it is a challenge in uh, central Nebraska and the rural parts of the state to find those people and to stay um, fully staffed in order to meet the needs of kids. Um, and, you know, again, being able to recruit um, those graduates coming out of high schools to get into education, in particular in specialty areas, uh, is a challenge. And uh, over the course of my career, uh, I've just seen fewer and fewer numbers of uh, people wanting to get into uh, 
specialty areas. And it's true in the math and the sciences and the music areas as well. So I just don't want to represent special education as, as a challenge to recruit. But, but certainly in years to come, it will continue to be something that needs to be addressed statewide. You know, in my time, I've been in three leadership positions, dean of students at a high school, elementary principal, and now superintendent. And I absolutely echo those three concerns. I have felt the sting of all three of those challenges, the funding, the addressing the mental health concerns, and the staffing of those special positions without a doubt. So thank you for bringing those up, and I really appreciate your advocacy. It's, it's unless we talk about it, those aren't problems that are going to go away. And, you know, you said early in talking about the funding, what it comes down to is we're trying to take care of our kids. And any, that's one of the things I appreciate about the leadership in education in, in Nebraska is anytime somebody talks about a challenge, then they come back to what's best for our students. So thank you so much for that advocacy. I appreciate that. Um, last question I have for you, and I think that you will probably be maybe be uniquely suited to answer this, especially given that I just found out you served 10,000 square miles and spent six hours driving the perimeter. <laughs> you know some people and you have some reach. Who do you think they're, who is somebody that you think uh, all of us in leadership in education in Nebraska should be paying attention to and following because we'll be better for it? You know, that, that that's a great question, Sam. Um, let me, from a personal perspective, let me answer that question. Uh, I'm going to uh, toot the horn of uh, the NASA's organization, uh, which is the affiliate from NCSA. Um, and the reason why I think collectively we, we, we take a look at, um, and again, coming from a special education perspective, um, the role and responsibilities of an administrator in special education uh, have become so complex um, in meeting the needs of kids and dealing with the three uh, uh, issues that we've already talked about is that you need to have a group of individuals that you can rely on. There isn't, as an organization, NASIS, there isn't anybody that you wouldn't be able to reach out and if they weren't able to help you, they know someone else who can. And it's from best practices, uh, if it comes to teaching and learning, uh, to legislative issues, to finance issues. And I would encourage any of the other member of another affiliate to make sure that they know who they can contact within their region that's part of the NASA's group. Um, and, and again, you know, having a, uh, Dr. Delaney um, be an active participant within our organization. Uh, again, if there's anything that's on the horizon in, in, in any arena, somebody within that organization is going to know about it. So reaching out to that group that you have the greatest ties and the closest ties with, to me, is, is the way to go. You just can't do the job by yourself anymore. And you never could. But it becomes more challenging thinking that you can. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to be success, successful without a peer group. You know, you started off by saying you were kind of in on the ground level with a lot of the special education legislation, and it hasn't gotten any simpler. <laughs> it has not. It has not. Yeah, it has gotten more complex. And you're absolutely right. And there, 
there's always somebody out there that can help and know the answer, but there's no one person that has it all. So it's, we're in it together. You're absolutely right. John, before we close up shop, anything else you'd like to add or say? You know, I, I, again, I appreciate the opportunity and, uh, you know, Central Nebraska is a great place to work. Uh, again, if there's one uh, word of advice, make sure that you stay active uh, in an organization such as NCSA to get your needs met, uh, not only uh, professionally, uh, but personally as well, uh, because you're, you'll develop lifelong friendships as well as lifelong professional partners. So stay active in the organization. And speaking of staying active, I will throw out there that all of you probably received an email from Megan Hillebrand at NCSA this week to get yourself registered for uh, the NCSA Administrator Days. I just had the opportunity to speak with Megan yesterday, and she is awfully excited about the speakers that they have lined up. Uh, some new names and at least a familiar name to some of us in there, but go check that out. Go to NCSA website and click on Administrator Days because it is now open for registration. Uh, Megan's put a lot of work into that, and so is Mike, and it will be an exciting time for all of us. Uh, and with that, John, thank you so much for taking the opportunity to talk. I think everybody's going to be better for having the opportunity to listen. Thank you. I appreciate it. Right, you take care. Bye now.